welcome to the vineyard. If some of you might not know, I'm the senior pastor here. My name's John Richter, and and just excited for what God's doing in this uh, Love One Another series, right? Doing relationships well. That's where we're on this journey together, all of us. This is a, a time of the year. We do this in the fall. We do this in the spring where everyone lines up, right? Sometimes we're all going like in this, in different directions, and we all sit down together. We all line up. We meet in groups for for six weeks. It's just a six-week commitment, right? And the one thing I would say to you, let's say you're going on vacation or you're going out of town or something like that, and you're going to miss a group. Don't care. Still sign up. That's what I would say. Even if you're only going to attend one group, sign up. You know what I mean? Like, just, just be there, right? Because it's amazing what God does when we, like, like Parker said, we sit down together, we meet together, we love on one another, we open up our hearts together, right? Because honestly, that's where real growth takes place. So we're going to learn about how to do relationships well. How do we really enter into loving one another? How do we do that? Right? How do we step into that? And part of that is meeting together, sharing, discussing, opening up our hearts together. It's a, a really important part of this. But I'm just really excited because I know that God's excited about this. God's excited about us learning together on how to love people well, right? How to grow up in this, how to, um, to really do the relationships that we have, right? And, and it doesn't matter what the relationship is. It could be a relationship with a spouse. It could be a friendship. It could be a sibling. It could be a mother or a father, right? It could be a grandparent. It could be a coworker, Right? These, all these principles apply. It doesn't matter where, what relationship we're in. We can apply these principles of doing relationships well, loving one another um, into, those, into those various types of relationships. So week one is going to be trustworthy character. All right? Today I'm going to talk to you about identity a little bit because it's so fundamental. But, but week one, next week, we're going to be talking about trustworthy character. We're going to be talking about and opening up our hearts so that Holy Spirit can transform us from the inside out. It has to start here. You know, one of the amazing things about relationship is when we are healthy here, inside, even if I'm relating to someone that is unhealthy, the, the relationship can still be successful. If just one of us gets healthy, if one, just one of us starts walking out true identity and, and identity health and starts living and doing and applying the principles that we're going to be learning about relationship, then we can, then we can uh, bring success in life into any relationship. It doesn't even matter what the other person is doing. So we're going to learn trustworthy character. How do we grow from the inside out? Second week is growing in communication. Fundamental to, to all relationships is learning to communicate well. The third week is building healthy connection, right? Building healthy connection. You're going to hear that word a lot. How do we build healthy connection? One of the things we have to ask ourselves is why, what is this relationship all about? What's our relationship for? And I'm not talking about what we can get out of it. I'm talking about why do we relate to each other? I mean, it's a fundamental because we, we long for connection because we need connection. And so how do we build healthy connection in our relationships. It's, it's actually foundational to a book by Danny Silk. In fact, I would encourage you to read it if you have never read it before. If you want to read it, we're not like prescribing it, but it would be a great read for you this week uh, on top of your de devotional. It's a book by Danny Silk called Keep Your Love On. 
Week four is managing conflict and boundaries. So, and then this is where a lot of things break down, is we don't know how to conflict well. We don't know how to disagree, right? And all of a sudden, it's, it becomes a shouting match, or whoever can speak loudest wins kind of thing, or who can run, you know, or someone ends up running away, or, you know, I mean, all kinds of things can happen in the midst of conflict. But we don't manage conflict well and boundaries either. And so we want to talk about that. The fifth week is learning to be a peacemaker, Right? We're going to talk about peacemaking and how Jesus taught us how to be peacemakers in the kingdom. And then week six is sympathy, empathy, and compassion. These are, these are fundamental to successful relationships, healthy relationships. And we're going to say, how do we flow in these in our relationships? How do we release and bring empathy, compassion, sympathy into our uh, relationships just like Jesus did? You know, this is, it hits home for me because this is actually a season of life that I'm in. And I've had seasons in my own personal life where, where Holy Spirit put his finger on something in my life and say, it's time to deal with this. And recently, I would say in the last couple of years, it's been amazing for me. Just I'm so excited about what Holy Spirit has done. And I, I am no way finished, done, perfected, completely healthy, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't even want to insinuate that in any way, shape, or form, but it was just a season where Holy Spirit, okay, I just became aware, very aware of the reality that I, that I had a habit structure of relating out of control, that I longed for control in my relationships, and, and I never saw it before. Like, I, I would, if you would have asked me two years ago, like, is, am I a controlling person? I said, no, I'm not a controlling person. But then the Holy Spirit just started putting his finger on that in my life. And I started to see it. Right? I was like, and it, it began with me like going, why am I so frustrated right now? Like this person did this, this, and this, and I would be so frustrated. I would be so angry. And I started to probe and I started to like reflect and go, why am I so frustrated? Why am I so angry right now with what that person did? It's just, you know, this, it's just unreasonable amount of anger just like percolating up out of my life. And I'm like, why am I so angry? And so I started to see that at the core, as I started to probe into that, Holy Spirit just started showing me that at, at the root and at the core, I wanted to be in control. I wanted to control people. And I started to say, oh my God, that's not love. Like, I mean, God doesn't control us. Can anybody tell? <laughs> Look around at the world. He's not a controlling God because love and control, there's, they're, they don't, they're like oil and water, right? They don't mix, right? So control is, is, is not an essence or a, a byproduct of, of love. And so I started to repent. I, after I started to reflect, I started to repent and go, Lord, I just, I, I just want this out of my life. I just relinquish control to you. Right? As I started to get in these situations and I, as I recognized it more, I still had outbursts. I still had moments where I, I started feeling the, the rage and anger and I would just go, oh, you know what I mean? I start going, where's that control? What am I trying to control right now? And I'd say, oh, I just give that to you, Lord. And I started to repent and the Holy Spirit just came in and this peace and this joy began to flow in my life like never before. And it was such a beautiful thing, right? I mean, it was so awesome. And I'm still walking this out, right? This is the journey that we're on. Because it begins with this. It, we must first realize 
that we have a relational paradigm, right? What's a paradigm? It's, it's, a, it's a, a set of relational habits that don't line up with the word of God. It doesn't, it's not what Jesus taught us to do. All of us have it. All of us have relational paradigms. Why? Because you were raised. <laughs> I mean, you were born, and we have, you know, you know, developed our relational paradigm as we went through life, right? In our in our parenting, in our in our as we're growing up and as we're developing, right? We develop these relational. Some of our relational paradigms, it's 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 conflict is managed through uh, fits of rage, and 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 yelling, screaming, and 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 you know, and and controlling, right? You do this. If you don't do this, you know what I mean? You don't love me. Or we, we, you know, we min- manipulate. We have a paradigm of manipulation. Or we have a paradigm of passivity. Some of us, like when anyone gets angry or upset or starts expressing what they're feeling, we just shut down. And we don't express and we hide our cards. And we, don't ne- we never share, right? We ne- never become transparent and real and, and live authentically in our relationships because we're afraid Someone's going to pounce on us or reject us. I I mean, there's all kinds of paradigms in terms of relating to one another that are not godly, that are not what Jesus intended for us. And so one of the first things, and and I'm going to challenge you this week, is think about your relational paradigms. Think about your relational habits. How, what did you learn from your family? Maybe it's how love is expressed. Are you with me, right? I mean, love has to be expressed. And some of us don't express love well. Love languages are a relational paradigm, right? We think about love languages like, you know, it's quality time or serving or, or gift giving. I mean, all the different things that you can talk about in terms of, of um, the different love languages, those are all paradigms of relating with one another. So I want to challenge you to think about it, to reflect, like just like I did. What are your relational paradigms? And the thing to look at in your life is where do you have frustration? Where do you have anger? Where do you have anxiety? Or where do you have fear? These are not things of the kingdom. So the next six weeks, we're going to be challenging this, right? And I need you, this is what I need for everyone, is to embrace a new paradigm of relationship. I need you to, in some ways, maybe you're going to have to reject the old way of doing things and take on something new. Embrace what Jesus did. I'm going to talk to you in just a moment why this is so insignificant. But I'll just give you the quick answer. You remember the scripture where it says, you know, love your wife. And if you don't, basically what? Peter was saying, you know, your prayers aren't going to be answered. So actually, how we relate one another can actually stymie it can actually stop the flow of kingdom into our lives that's significant there's a kingdom reasoning behind this this is this isn't just oh, okay everyone loves us and we're kind and we're all that kind of you know everyone's hunky-dory and all that kind of thing no there's a there's a kingdom principle at hand that's at work when we relate well when we do relationships well that releases the kingdom of God into our circumstances and situations. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to embrace a different relational paradigm. 
a kingdom relational paradigm. And how do we do that? We're going to do that by staring at Jesus. <laughs> What's it say in Hebrews? The Hebrew writer said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher. Fix your attention. Fix your focus. Stare at him. Read the stories. I'm so thankful for the Gospels, right? We have the Gospels. Like over in China, I, I read some stories of some of the Chinese believers over there, and I don't know where they're at right now, but Bibles are, are non-existent. And people were just long for just reading one word of the Gospel. Like the book of John, if someone had the book of John, I mean, it was like a treasure chest. And we have all, the, all four of the Gospels at our fingertips. We get to read how did Jesus relate to people. How did he relate to his mother? How did he relate to his disciples? How did he relate to the Pharisees? How did he relate to the people caught in adultery? Which is what we're going to talk about today. The people who were in deep, great sin, who really screwed up. How did he relate to them? Did he relate with control or manipulation or domination? Or did he, re re did he relate with love? So we need to embrace a new kingdom paradigm, which means that we, at times, are going to have to repent, reflect and repent over the existing paradigm that we have in our lives and how we relate. And I'm excited this because I want to do relationships well. I mean, ultimately, there's a hunger and a desire for, in, within all of us because we are community people. We're designed for community. We need each other. Right? Being a, a hobbit or a whatever up in the, in the woods is not what Jesus designed for us. There's too much in the Bible explaining that, explaining how to relate well with each other for us to just go and hide away somewhere and call that spirituality. Spirituality begins when we start communicating, when we start relating, when we start interacting, right? That's where real spirituality begins. And the kingdom can break forth in that environment when we begin to do relationships well. So we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He defines what a relational paradigm, what a, what a healthy relational paradigm looks like, what, re, what healthy relational habits are. So let's just take a moment. I'm going to read a quick story here, and then I want to talk a little bit more about the why behind this whole series and why relating well, doing relationships well is so significant. But let's just take a moment in John chapter 8, right? This is the story of the woman at the well. I just want to look at one relational interaction with Jesus, and we'll kind of make some observations out of that just to kind of stir the pot, right? This is not anywhere near the full extent of how we're going to look at Jesus, and I don't think this story captures all the essence of kingdom relationships, but it's definitely a good story, right? So this is the one where the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they catch a woman in adultery, whatever that is, right? And... In, in the culture and at the time, the law of Moses commanded that this person should be stoned to death, right? And they bring them, and they're trying to trap Jesus, right? They're trying to trap Jesus, right, to catch him and, and to trick him or something. He's going to say something wrong, do something wrong, and make him look foolish or whatever. And so they bring this dear woman who's probably terrified because she's just realized that she's been caught in adultery, and she's going to die, right? I mean, this is her death sentence. She's on death row, and she's caught by the Pharisees, and she's believing that she's probably going to get killed. And she brings them, and they bring them to the foot of Jesus. And I just love what, how Jesus responds. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, 
But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I love that. I love that. Because one of the things, and you're going to hear this a lot for the next six weeks, is, is responding versus reacting. We're going to differentiate those two things. And it's very, very important that we learn how to respond rather than react. And if you're reacting, that you're, then you're not reacting or that you're not responding out of a healthy identity and a, and a healthy, you're not out of a healthy place and a healthy relational paradigm when we're reacting. And that's what a lot of us do, right? Someone says something and it's just like, it just sets us off, right? And we just want to just boom, blow up or whatever it is. You know, someone said something and it just really made us feel like we were worthless or unworthy or whatever that is. And it just set us off and we a lot of times react instead of responding. But Jesus was really careful not to react, but to respond. This is a shocker. He didn't expect this. This wasn't in the, you know, the, the agenda here um, of his life, per se. And so he's there, and he starts drawing on the ground with his finger. And he says, when they kept on questioning him, right, so they, they're kind of like, come on, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? What are you going to do? He finally, he straightened up, and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. That was it. Let any one of you who is without sin first throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Her response, and I'm sure this is tears in her eyes, you would think, right? I mean, we read this so, you know, calmly, but, I mean, this had to be a huge moment for her when she realizes that maybe her eyes are shut and she looks up too and is like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting stoned or condemned. Everyone has left, right? No one, sir, she said. Then neither, this is Jesus' response, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your, leave your life of sin. I love that. He didn't just leave her, he said, leave your life of sin. He recognized that, yeah, there was some things in her life that were not healthy. And he didn't water it down. He just said, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to punish you. But leave your life of sin. Did he control her? Did he follow up? Did he manipulate her? Did he say, if this, then this? No. But he, gave, he actually invited her into a new lifestyle. He put out the invitation there for her to enter into a, a, a more healthy way of life. The thing that we see with Jesus is that he's always authentic, and I'm on this journey in my personal life, is how do I live authentic to who I am, who God made me to be who God made you to be are you living authentically in every aspect in every relationship of your life or are we hiding things or are we putting on masks are we afraid are we ashamed how are we living because when Jesus lived and how he related to people he related people authentically honestly openly Jesus refused to react, and, he, and actually no one controlled Jesus' reactions or responses. He was in complete 
He, you know what I'm saying? No one can, could control them. No one could say something that was going to force Jesus to react. And res- Does that make sense? He was so free and so healthy in his identity of who he was that he could respond in a place of love to everything that was thrown at him. He was completely free. See, a test of whether I am walking in my identity is to examine if I'm reacting or if I'm responding. The test of whether I am living out in a a healthy place in my identity and who I am in Christ, am I reacting or am I responding? I got some things in my life, and, and I can tell you that, man, I could just feel the emotion coming up inside of me, and I just want to react. And I'll be, you know, I, I'm like, I got to dive into that. I can't go into the details. I'm just like, why am I doing that? What's at the core? Honestly, for me, I think it's because um, I feel powerless to change the circumstance. I feel hopeless. And is that a truth or is that a lie? Did Jesus teach us that we're powerless and that the future doesn't have any hope for change? Absolutely not. So there's some things inside of me that need to be cleansed. And I just need to let the Holy Spirit come in and, and purge me of that so that I can, he can restore my joy and he can restore my peace and that he can refocus me so that I'm not reacting, but I can respond with a kingdom mindset and a kingdom attitude. Anytime my feelings are out of proportion from the stimulus, then I'm tending to react. Does that make, does that make sense? So anytime I, it, my, the, my feelings are disproportional to the activity that takes place around me, and that happens, right? I mean, th- these are things that we can do to recognize when I'm reacting versus when I'm responding. So the key to healthy relationships, and we see this in Jesus, is to first be healthy in our identity. Now, why is this important? And that's what I really want to just kind of probe um, a little bit more. So turn with me to Matthew 16. I really want us to get this, because this is foundational to the whole next six weeks, okay? And I've got some slides here. Is that Josh back there? So just... Just step through this as I go through it, if you will, because these—I have this is a diagram. I, I kind of took. We learned this in, in in school of kingdom ministry because it's very important. If we're going to bring the kingdom, we have to do relationships well. If we're going to bring the kingdom, we it, it, we have to bring. We have to learn how to do relationships well. To really, honestly, from the heart, learn how to love the people around us. And so I want to probe into this. Why is this so significant in the kingdom? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, okay? And in this story, this is where they go, you know, who do people say that I am? And it's kind of an interesting little dialogue that he has with the disciples, right? I'll just go ahead. Let me, let me just read it. When Jesus came on, uh, to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you. So look, 
I love this. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus responds, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So this came from heaven. This was a heavenly revelation. This didn't come from man. This didn't even come from Peter. It was revealed to him, he said, by his Father. Father God revealed this to Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter. So Jesus responds this way. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build this, my church. So he says, Simon, you're no longer Simon. You are Peter. You are a rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. He declares his identity, who he is, the new identity of Peter in Christ. And the gates of Hades will not come against it. I will give you, this is what I want you to see, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's all kind of depths and, and levels to this whole scripture, but I want you, this is really what I want you to see. Go ahead to the next slide here. This is what I want you to see. So what, do I, I hope we have them. There we go. All right, so we have earth. Here's two people, right? You're one of them. The person on my left, your right, far side. There's heaven. Right? So what Jesus is describing, go ahead to the next slide, is this, is that Peter re re reveals, he gets revelation. And there's two aspects of this revelation that are very key and I want to point out. Go ahead. First, who Jesus is. He has a revelation of, the, of who Jesus is and this is critical. This is absolutely critical. We can't know who we are until we first understand who Jesus is. Right? And this goes for any person's life. This is called being born again. When you realize that Jesus is the Son of God, right? that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through him, right? that he died and suffered on the cross for our sin, right? paid the penalty in full, and was raised to new life, and he's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. When you have that revelation, you are born again. You are a new creation in Christ. So that's the first revelation, but the second one, which is most important, because most believers stop there. They understand who Jesus is, but Jesus wants to give you a new identity, just like he gave to, to Peter. We stop, and, we, and we, we don't understand who we are. The gospel is, 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 is threefold in nature, relationship, identity, and destiny. And we stop a relationship, and we never receive the identity and the destiny. And we get stymied and we get stuck. So the second part of this, Jesus turns around and he reveals to Peter our identity. Right? And this is huge because this revelation, revelation, excuse me, go to the next slide. What that does is it produces access. This is what I want you to understand. Revelation, kingdom revelation, kingdom understanding of Jesus and identity produces access for the kingdom of heaven to flow into the earth, right? On earth as it is in heaven, as, as uh, Jesus taught us to pray, right? So revelation equals access. Revelation determines access of the kingdom into our lives and into our circumstances. Now, there's another place in Scripture where this idea of the keys, right? This is what he's saying. He says, I give you the keys. There's another place where he's, uh, this binding and loosing comes up, and it's in Matthew chapter 18. So turn with me there. We're going to go, yes, we're going to hold that picture in your thought, okay? Matthew 18. It says this, again, this whole idea of binding and loosing, but now it's, it's in relationship to brother or sister. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out that their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. 
But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So now we're not talking about access, all right? We're talking about relationship, all right? So go to the next slide there, Josh. So what we have here is we have this how we do relationships, and that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 18. How well we do relationship, go ahead to the next slide, actually just determines the extent that the kingdom flows into our lives. The revelation determines access, or it opens the door for heaven to flow into earth. We can't have heaven flowing into our lives unless we have revelation of who Jesus is and who we are in him. Get that, please, because this is so important. Because this is the beginning of healthy relationships, is, is a healthy identity and understanding who we are. A lot of us fail in our relationships because we don't love ourselves, or we don't know who God designed and made us to be. So Matthew 18 is talking about how well we do relationships with each other, and what that refers to is the extent, okay? Go ahead to the next slide. So revelation equals access. How we do relationships determines the extent of the kingdom breaking in. This is the why of, of this whole discussion. Back to what is our, what is our mission statement here. It, we're training up passionate lovers of Jesus, walking daily in the power, presence, and love of the Holy Spirit. Walking daily in the power, presence, and love. That's our mission for every person in this room, is to walk daily in the power, presence, and love of the Holy Spirit. That's where we're raising you up as passionate lovers of Jesus. Walking daily and everywhere you go, right? You're doing relationships well. And when you do relationships well, it promises that there'll be an outflow of the kingdom breaking into our lives. It'll just naturally flow. When you love somebody, and you're loving someone to the fullest, you just have to pray for them. Listen, you, just, you can't leave the room until you pray, until you see the kingdom break in. You can't go into a, a hospital room and not pray for somebody. Because if you do, you just feel awful inside. You're like, oh my gosh, I just missed a moment. I could have brought the kingdom, and I failed to. Love motivates us. When we love well, right, it releases kingdom. It releases the magnitude of the kingdom into our lives and into our relationships. Relational fracture, okay, and I'm going to say this the opposite way. So relational fracture, when we're fractured in our relationships, it stops the flow of the kingdom. It closes the door, right? It reduces the magnitude of the flow of the kingdom of God into our lives. And we wonder why we don't see Maybe the, the things that we want to see or we're praying for occurring, right? It might be because maybe there's some relationships that we're not doing well. And I think that there's, a, there's an honest place where we've got to step back, right? And it's not in condemnation. It's just wooing us in to love people well, to do relationships well. I mentioned this earlier, but 1 Peter 3, 7 says this, Likewise, husbands... And I just want to kind of, this is the highlight scripture where you see this exact same thing where revelation creates access, relationship creates extent. Husbands, love your wives 
Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Right? So when we fail to do relationships well, especially in this case it's talking about the relationship between a spout, uh, um, in the home, right, between, a spout, between spouses, that actually stops the flow of the kingdom, right? The breaking in of the kingdom, it can hinder our prayers from being answered. Why don't the worship team come on up? I want to conclude there. Hallelujah. Ooh, stand up. Is all right? Everybody stand up. We're going to have some worship. I kind of jerked a little bit there. Let me just summarize while they're getting ready to play. So first of all, what I want you to, everyone to get these three things. One, we have a race, relational paradigm, and that relational paradigm or those relational habits might not, right? I want you, we need to embrace a new, a kingdom relational paradigm. That means we do things differently, right? We react differently. We respond differently. And I hope that you're, you would embrace this journey with us because this is, it, there's nothing more beautiful than when we start to be transformed into love. That's what Holy Spirit really wants to do. He wants to transform us into love, right? To bake, break the stronghold of apathy, of disconnection, and bring connection and love and joy and peace into our lives. So we need to embrace a new relational paradigm. Jesus is the standard. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, right? That's the, the, the last thing here. Jesus invites us to follow him and allow him to transform our relational habits to be like his, right? So he is the, he defines for us the relational paradigm, okay? And then the last thing is that the beginning of healthy relationship is a healthy identity. I want you to look at yourself. And I, I mean, all I can tell you is, is that this was huge for John Richter, probably about five or six years ago. I, I struggled in my identity. I struggled in believing who God was. And I, I was praying and I was praying and I was praying and praying for things to happen in my family and my, in people around me and, and whatnot. And when I, it wasn't until I finally embraced my, my, my true identity that I, was, I started to see transformation in my life. I started to see real love being expressed to the people around me. Instead of being manipulating, I was actually loving people. Not, not seeking my own, but actually you know, seeing them for who they are. See, a lot of times when we have an unhealthy, what happens and when, when we have an unhealthy view of self, we end up start, we, we tend to stare at ourselves. It's kind of a weird thing. I was, we were just talking about this this morning that you know, our, our feelings of inferiority actually cause us to be aware of how less we are. But when we get healthy, we quit staring at ourselves and we start looking to others. We quit doing this and we look up. We quit looking in the rearview mirror and we start looking forward to what's in front of us. And it's a beautiful thing when it takes place and it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing that happened in the garden. What happened in the garden when sin came in? All of a sudden they were aware of their nakedness. They were staring at themselves that's what sin does is it causes us to stare at our inadequacy and our failures and our lacks. But true love causes us to look outward, right? And when we get, but it begins with a full, you know, a healthy identity.
who are who we are. So this is what the next week journey is all about. 